0: Well, welcome to another episode of The Miles Driven with me, Miles. And greetings from me, Sam. Oh, that's a bit of a different one from you, ain't that? <laughs> That's Going what? professional then. Yeah, uh, that's that sort uh, of a TV entrance. I like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you are eventually going to run out, but I'm hoping we can get... Well, I, haven't, in- I haven't
1: ventured into foreign languages yet, and I yes. think there's a fair few foreign languages that I could try. Yeah, so we could be in triple digits podcast. Oh yeah. or- I mean, we'll probably run out of podcast. Before we run out of my greetings
0: for the podcast, so I don't think we've got to worry. Um, So we've got quite a busy one on this podcast. Uh, We're going to cover off four different sections. It was actually going to be two things, but um, just a couple of things have come up. We want to bring them up in the news, so we will do. So we're going to start off, uh, Sam's going to talk about the uh, new Aston Martin F1 car that's just been shown to the public yesterday. I'm going to talk about some road pricing that the government are saying they want to bring in. Then we're going to have the Mark 7 Golf GTI review. There is there's also that review is up on the milesdriven.com website. So if you want to read it as well, you can go on there. Um, we have we have got rid of the, the buzzer for now. The buzzer's gone. Yeah, only because he kept
1: playing it over my voice. Yeah, and only because I kept getting annoyed having to open the app that I had yes. for the buzzer yes. until I actually invest in a proper bell, which we'll just have on the desk.
0: Yes, one of those can, old fashioned, yes, like, you know that that, yeah, made the, the ones. Ring for attention. Perhaps. Yes. Yeah, we'll do one of those. Um, and then, final section is we're going to look at uh, inflation with vehicle pricing because uh, Sam and I have done a bit of research on this and it appears car prices, we've looked at over 25 years for a car, one car example, which is the Golf GTI, just to see are we paying just an inflated rate or are car prices going up faster than they ever have done before? So, That's all to come up in this podcast. We're going to start with um, Aston Martin F1. Now, as I've said before, I sort of stay away from Aston just because I've got a small financial interest in them. I will say off the bat, the reason we're covering Aston Martin is because they are the first team to show us their true car that's actually going to race. Isn't that right, Sam, that this is going to be... And thanks for taking one of my points in the segment that but you've given me. Yes.
1: <laughs> I only want you to do five minutes on this, mate, but I will take the main point from you. Yes. Yeah, as Miles said, that is the this is the first true example of a 2022 card that we've actually seen.
0: Because we've seen
1: Hass, but yes. it was only Hass a... has been a, effectively a render, isn't and, it? Yeah. On, and, and Red Bull as well. Yeah, they were both like, CGI'd. Um, not... I think we could all say that we knew what the Red Bull was going to look like. Before the Red Bull was released. Yeah, the Livery it's, is. It's Red Bull. A lot of people I've seen a lot of people getting a bit agitated by Red Bull having the same livery, but Red Bull is Red Bull. They're not yeah, going to change. It. I mean it's yeah. when they had Aston Martin on the back of their car, it was the nicest looking car on the grid. I yeah. think now Aston Martin are here, I think they've probably got the nicest looking car on the grid, that's my personal opinion. But I'm sure other people have got favourites. Yeah, I won't I won't give a personal opinion um, on it, but we all know what Miles' favourite is, everyone? The uh the Mercedes. <sighs> Um, but yeah, there are a couple of little things. I mean, there's not much to say because we haven't got any real data on any of it yet, but just from the pictures that we're looking at, we're looking at I said to you earlier that it looks like the front wing's a lot higher and you were saying it sort of appears to be almost raked towards the front,
0: doesn't it? It looks um it looked to me like they were trying to do more with the ground effects because like you spotted it's high and it also slopes slightly upwards, which is different to what we saw last year with F one cars. The sort of middle seems to
1: slope up a bit. Yeah. It also seems like the front wing to me is just generally higher off the ground than it was mm. last year. So I don't know what you think, but the rear wing seems to be
0: a lot lower and a lot more sloped.
1: I mean, I th- And more of
0: a big box, if you like. As I said, like, my my opinion's can't be taken for anything, cuz I think the whole thing Yeah, no, we're talk we're, we're talking about the design of the car which is going I, to be generalized across the board. So this is the new regulations I believe. Cuz we yeah. were, We were talking about this beforehand, the Aston Martin, obviously they've gone their own way to an extent, and you were talking about the rear and the front and who's done what bit of this
1: car. Yes, I was. Miles has been generous there. He was talking about it, but he's trying to make it look like I know something about what I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, you were telling me that um, they've got a Mercedes gearbox, you were saying, and obviously the Mercedes engine, but then everything middle to front is Aston Martin themselves and just yeah.
0: themselves yeah essentially that because of they've got the mercedes gearbox the rear of the car has to fit in with what the mercedes design is for sort of the structure around yeah. that instead of them doing their own gearbox and
1: having their own design it's what you want it's like when you buy a car and all the all the engine and um stuff like that has been done by the germans Yes. And everything else has been done by someone with like some flair and the Italians, for example. Yes, You're not going to complain about a car that's styled by the Italians and made by the Germans, are no, you? No, exactly that. So if you've, if you've got an F1 car that's styled by Aston Martin, liveried by Aston Martin, the aero is done by Aston Martin, but the engine in gearbox are Mercedes, you're not going to complain too much about it. And we know you're not going to complain about it because it's good for your share prices. Well, well, I mean, it's not been so far, <laughs> but yes let's hope um, but yeah i mean other than that we've got the the first look at what the actual drs flap for this year might be um, yes which obviously you guys can head over to the miles driven or the facebook page or the instagram page shortly shortly By the time the this goes instagram. out it'll
0: be out there so yeah i um, have to say, to have a look at the pictures so this will be coming out on the 22nd so we know that you may have already seen these things a week or so ago, yeah. and you're only listening to this now. It's just how our recording schedule works. We had a couple of others that had to come out beforehand. Yeah. So. I mean
1: there'll probably be some more details out about the car because it's actually out testing today when we're recording, which is today is the tenth, I think, eleventh. Uh, Today's the eleventh. Funny the enough, it isn't tested. Isn't too far away. Just from down, us down the road. <laughs> yes. What we should have done is taken the podcast on the road. Yes. And gone to Silverstone. Yeah. We wouldn't have the boiler to contend with. No, that's true. true. Just a Formula One car yes. and the outside air. But yeah, no, other than that, I mean, I think it looks. I'm not financially biased, but I am very biased because one of my sporting heroes and probably my favourite F1 driver, Vettel, races for the team. So mm-hmm. I think it's the best looking
0: car on the grid. It looked better in number five as opposed to number 18. The two things that I think interested me, um, not to make this any different to any of the other F1 cars that will be shown, but. Is that they've got the this design along the top of the body where they've got these sort of cuts in the bodywork? Yeah, like the, the gills. I guess they're going to yeah. be called gills, aren't they? Because it looks like a shark's gills. So. so I'm guessing that's for for either some aero allowance coming in, or it's for the cooling. And then this whole section, sort of this side skirt, as it would be, yeah, is where they had all a tray of, yeah. floor area where it's very simple. Yes. but that wasn't. If we think back to when we saw the a 2022 design
1: yeah um, it, was, it didn't look like that they didn't
0: have yet. that area at all they, they so this is this is the first sign we're getting and why we've picked Aston Martin is it's the first sign we're actually getting of what yeah. the teams how they're going to
1: differentiate this new car it's also quite nice because it's as much as a Formula One car is never going to be simplistic it's a much more simplistic design than last year where everything had little bits of carbon fibre coming off in little little raised bits and yeah, you know, little fins and, and you stuff. Have fins here, especially and fins across there. the, like you were saying, across the the floor on the side there, and the the front wings, much more simplistic. I think it's just going to create better racing, hopefully. That's which is what well, that's the aim. Obviously, that's what yeah. they're going for. So, well, fingers crossed on this. That. This whole idea of not having the
0: washout of the aerodynamics. Yes. So,
1: but yeah, head up, head over to any of our socials or the website, which I'm going to push Barnes to do because he hasn't done anything on the website for it, but he's going to now because I've just mentioned. I know. It. Yeah. Um. Boom. Yeah, a, head over and have a look. The Facebook page is the best place to go for any breaking news because I'm in charge of that. So. Yeah,
0: or if if you are looking for new news and you want to see what we've put out, Facebook page for us. Um, yeah, because I've, the... been, I've been a bit quiet on the Facebook
1: page for the last couple of weeks. I'm in the middle of uh, changing jobs, so that's been taking up most of my time. But I will get onto it and be a bit more active with posting new podcasts and new stories and everything else that's coming yep. into the news and the world of automotive the website really
0: yes. is where we, we cover off more reviews, we cover off features as well about what's happening, but they're a bit more long format. So if you are looking for something you can have a read of in a lunch break or something like that, definitely the website. But yes. If you are looking for something, or I wonder what's going on in... The automotive world—you can check out. I, I suppose we'll really use Facebook for that because the Instagram is. Yeah, definitely. Our
1: Instagram's the pictures. Um, yeah. I'm still trying to get the login for that, but I haven't been granted yet. No, we, you know, holding
0: on to that login. Line, Miles yeah. will do
1: some things on the Facebook. He could do a section on. I know this will make my mother happy because it made her laugh in the last podcast you listened to. You could do a section on troughing yes which i think i've been i've been uh, a running joke now a lot of people have brought this up actually (laughs) from hearing us on the podcast and me talking about troughing so good little shout out to jill there i know she'll be laughing now Yeah, but yeah anyway we'll move on now so we've we've covered off f1 to an extent there um i think i'll hand over to miles to start the next section which is going to be it is the golf
0: gti review and so as i've put this on the website recently um the, oh, no, it's not the Golf GTI review. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. The UK government... Come on, mate, I did such a flawless F1 start to this with all the information that you gave me before we started. Yes. That I hadn't researched. <laughs> the UK government have decided that because they've got themselves into a predicament with taxing vehicles by their CO2 output, then giving free road tax to electric cars to incentivise them, that they're going to not be receiving both fuel tax... And road tax oh, pretty soon, okay. so they're looking at ways to bring in the tax revenue because they so had, can't just let people drive a car anymore. <laughs> what what really annoys me is it's so short sighted in the first place to say let's put a tax incentive out with no plan of how we would actually re- fix the hole in the budget that we've left by doing it. Yeah, which just to me that's just inept. If you if you if you're in a business and you said I've got a plan, it's only going to work for two years, and then after that will have to just guess an answer, you would be not in the business very, very long. Yeah. Um, What their answer is, is road taxing. Now, I know many of you listening will be motor enthusiasts, you'll have an interest in cars, but this for me is actually a separate issue. The roads at the moment have an equality about them. You and I can use the road, it doesn't matter if you own a Ferrari, if you're a 17 year old that just got their driving license, and you're in an old clapped-out car that's got rusty bolts everywhere, you can drive anywhere you want right now. There's no difference in the charge you will face, except for fuel economy, things like that, but that's a choice you make when you buy the vehicle. So you accept. If you've got a bit more money, you want to enjoy a Ferrari, you're going to pay a slightly higher road tax, and you're going to pay more for your fuel. So there's an indirect tax that you pay more for the fuel uh. Because you're paying more for the fuel, you're paying more fuel duty mm-hmm. to make your journey. By road taxing, uh, by bringing in a... Do you want to... I don't know
1: if you've covered it off, because I was just reading an article there, but do you want to cover off quickly what the road taxing is before you...
0: They're going to charge per mile. So Sorry, yeah, it's a very good point.
1: What just they in want case people do... haven't read up on it, because no. I
0: hadn't until you mentioned it. They want to have all cars fitted with a tracking device, which would then track how many miles you cover and charge you per mile. So effectively
1: like when you were 17 and you got the black box in your car that would make your insurance cheaper, but you had to be home by 11. It's that level of tracking where they'd be able to track if you were out past a
0: certain time or when you'd gone. Yeah. And there's two issues with it From me. I know that there is one side of people thinking I'm being tracked. I'm already tracked, you know, as as much as it is, I don't want the government tracking my arm. That's one side of the argument. I want to talk about the other side, which is if your vehicle is being tracked, And that means that the government can say, and there are countries, uh, I think Norway, already have an introduction of this type of tax. The government can say, at 5pm on a Friday, the M1 is too busy. So to get people off the road, we're going to charge it at a higher rate per mile during the busiest periods to ease congestion. Right. This is what they did with the sugar tax. They said, we don't want people to drink fizzy drinks as much. We don't want people to have sweets as much, so we'll put an additional tax. It's the same tax that we yeah. have for smoking. So effectively, you'd have like a rush hour tax, if
1: you like, in essence, to on really the, simplify it. Yeah. You couldn't drive on the M25 between the hours of
0: four and seven. Unless you paying had, the extra. Unless you have the extra money. Yeah. So this is where it brings an inequality to the road, because whether you are a mother struggling to pay all her bills trying to rush along a road to get to her kids to pick them up from school to drop them somewhere before you go to your second job or a or, father or a father yeah yeah no you're very right or you're an oligarch in a bentley <laughs> yeah and you just want to go smoking along the motorway at the moment you can both get on that road it's equal and to both of you yeah and if you get trapped if you get stuck in a traffic jam well That's just the way it is. We're all equal in this country. What is going to be introduced here is something that says, if you don't have the money, you need to go and get on a different road and go and drive along that and let the people who've got the money drive on this road. And it's a very, very short step to where people say, well, actually, I live in a nice Cotswold village. Yeah. And I don't want all these visitors. I mean, I went uh, to a Cotswold village A few times last year and I have to say yes the tourism the place was packed for residents unfortunate for them but that gets kids who live in inner cities out into the countryside it gets families who don't really have a lot of money to just have a cheap day out drive somewhere walk around something nice it will not take long before they'll say well actually the beauty spots of the country need to have better roads so we're going to charge A pound a mile if you want to drive in Snowdonia, or ten p a mile if you want to drive through a council estate in Hull.
1: Well, I think I think the the point with what you were just saying about people going when you said you went to busy a busy Cotswolds village a couple of times, I think gone are the days where there are many hideaway places in the UK where you can go and enjoy. You know, back if you go back probably even ten years, maybe fifteen, you could go to the Peak District and you'd go on a walk and you'd probably see two or three other people. Yes. Yeah, on a yeah. on a reasonably nice day, you go to the peat district now on a day that's nice, whether it be February or June or December, it's going to be packed. If it's a nice day, yeah. it's going to be packed. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. We've got a very large population, and this mm-hmm. is massively off the point. I just it just came into my head, and I'm just blurting out what's in there. But I think that's, God, that's, that's the, not like you, mate. mate no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we tangent at all on this podcast. <laughs> But yeah, I think gone are the days where, you know, you'd go and find a remote seaside location, you'd go for walk unless you want to go out in January in the rain or the hail. Yeah. So I think that if they're they're thinking of doing it for that reason, where they're going to make things quieter,
0: that's not going to work. Well, the the problem is what they'll do is they'll keep putting the price up. It's a lot like you could say, why do you not go as a football fan to every single Premier League game for one of the top teams? Because most fans cannot afford to spend £200 on a ticket. And, and if they could fair. afford it, they'd make it £400, £500. Yeah. The, the, the horrible thing well, for even, me is... Even mid-table teams are quite expensive. And quite expensive, as, as, as yes. As you know, I know. Yes. <laughs> the, the horrible thing for me is, at the moment, it doesn't matter who you are. Our roads are one place where there is complete equality from a perspective of, you can go and drive down Mayfair in your old clapped-out car just as much as you can in your brand Why new... Why did you look at me when you said that? Just, uh, <laughs> just a hint. <laughs> but you, you can. It doesn't matter your background, where you're from. You have a right to be on the road as much as the next person. The second you allow road pricing to come in, people can start to control and say, actually, I want to ease congestion. And you can just put it under that banner of easing congestion and say, oh, well, actually, the Peak District, um, yeah. can, we, can we ease congestion? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make it £2 a mile to drive there. And all of a sudden, hardworking families or the poorest or the people who have the least are unable to afford to go and do something like that. I find that in the UK, if it was a uh, totalitarian or a communist regime and they said, we're doing this and we had no choice, well, you're stuck for luck. This is a free country. And that is an attempt, in my eyes, to try and take some of that away. So the politicians that thought of this, they should be, in my eyes, they should be pretty ashamed of themselves for even contemplating it as an idea and that was a party political broadcast from the miles driven party <laughs> yes <laughs> but but i just want to make the point and if you do hear anyone talk about it or you do at any point hear your local politician or anyone saying we think it would be a good idea because of this just ask them so with that does that mean that someone who can't afford at the moment to or at the moment they can just about afford a car does that mean they're going to get priced off the roads and if yes. they say no, they're lying. So, just quickly, is this, is this something that's
1: implemented anywhere currently that the, you
0: know of? The only country I could find that have a similar system is Norway, because what Norway essentially do is they have... And I've actually driven in Norway, so I know this to be a fact, is as you're driving along the roads, there's just lots of cameras. And yeah, okay. if, it, if you're yeah. driving along a particular road... You'll start a bit like the M6 toll, you'll start on one side, there's a camera will catch you. Yeah, yeah. And on the other side, and then you just get sent a bill at the end of the month. Okay. Very similar to when I lived in Sydney, to go over the bridge, there's cameras on either side. If you have a you have a little scan thing in your windscreen, yeah. And at the end of the month it will say you went over the bridge ten times, so you owe fifty bucks or whatever else. Yeah, it's a bit like the Dart Charge thing that we talked about in a previous it's, podcast, but obviously you have to pay that yourself. You don't just but this will mean that because you're being tracked, yeah, every single mile you do can be pinpointed, mm-hmm. and it can say, "Well, you drove on this road. That was a cheap road to drive on, so that's 10p a yeah. mile. You drove on this road at peak time. That's a pound a mile." Yeah, I mean, it's it's just wrong at it's, the end of the day. It's absolutely for me. It's not something that I I understand. People may say, "Well, we do need to ease congestion, and we did." Well, we don't need to do it by saying, "If you don't have the money, you don't deserve to
1: be." On this road, or well, you—they already do things to ease congestion. There's a point on many motorways, but the one in particular that I know that I think—I don't know whether you know it to be a fact or whether you've noticed it at all—but on the M1, mm. when you go past the Luton Airport turnoff on the M1, which mm-hmm. I don't know which junction it is, I think it's around ten. There's the smart motorways overhead gantries are always at sixty there. Yes, they're never off, I and know. that is apparently I've heard, and I've done a little bit of research, and it seems to be true. That's to actually ease congestion in London. So they slow the cars down there yeah. and it's supposed to then, the knock on is that it eases the congestion as you get towards central London. Do you know what? So they already do something like that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a whole nother step to start charging people. So, to so do hard, it by it's price. like having a pavement tax and saying, so you yes. can't walk that
0: way. Yeah, you, You're also, not rich enough to walk yeah, that way. You, you have to go on this street here. So this is a free country as far as, unless it's private property or it's a venue where someone's paying to do a performance and you're paying for a service like a pop concert or whatever else. You know, otherwise, this is a free country. And to, to make any attempt to say, well, you're driving on this road, you've driven down Mayfair, it's £2 a mile, is, is or whatever charge they want to put in, because the residents of certain... And I do understand from the residents, they say, well, actually, uh, we're pretty well off, and we're going to yeah. exempt ourselves, because you would say if you live within the postcode, you don't yeah, have yeah, yeah. A, a lot like the London congestion charge has this thing of if you're in before a certain time so that you're, you can be a resident, although well, I think they... I think they changed that, but there you would just say if you live in this pretty little village, well, you don't need to pay the additional charge because you live here. But all you visitors, it's like how Monaco control people coming in; they charge tax to all the tourists. If you're a resident, you don't pay tax. Yeah. So you go to a restaurant, you're going to get a different bill depending whether you live there or you don't. Just to me, as I say, it's something I I, when I read it, I was quite passionate about it from a from an automotive perspective.
1: Uh, you, you can't, can't tell. tell it hasn't
0: come across i no. don't think that you're passionate about no. it this is probably the only serious part
1: of our podcast that will ever be yeah but you try and do a serious part you must know you're not going to get
0: through a serious no. part without me making a joke but anyway yeah so i, I just um as i say, i read about it did a little bit of research about it and i thought i would bring it up i thought it was important there is an article on the Mars driven for this as well um if you want to read that but um yeah, thought we'd cover that off before we got on to what is the the actual start of this podcast from a, from a planning well, point. I mean, that's fairly rude. I mean, I started the
1: podcast with yes, a, a segment about Aston Martin, and then you went on a party
0: political broadcast, and yeah. now here we are. And now here we are. Now I've got to find my uh, information. Oh, actually, we're going to cover off Golf GTI review. So there is a review. It's on the review section of the Miles Driven website. Miles Driven. Meow. <laughs> is this your attempt? At... Um. So there is a review on there and essentially, so Sam and I were talking and there was a conversation that started about, do we think the Mark 8 Golf GTI is better than the Mark 7.5? So there was a Mark 7 and a, a facelift on a 7.5 and we sort of had a discussion about which one, if we were to put our money there, because you can buy a likely used Mark 7.5 for a, a good discount over what you get a brand new yeah. Mark 8. Which one would be, you know, a new car is always nice to have. Warranty, you get to take it off the forecourt, everything else. But I'm thinking with the with the Mark 7. So they started off in 2013. They all have uh, the engine, which is EA 888 engine, which is a, a brilliant 2-litre, 4-pot uh, turbocharged unit that features in the Golf GTI. It features in a host of Audis, the Golf R, features in Seat's, all of Seat's hot products, oh sorry, well it's Cupra now, yeah. all of their hot products so it's a fairly ubiquitous engine across the VW group but um, a bit of a corker um, and in the early ones, so if you bought a 2013 model, you could have a performance pack um, so you either had 210 horsepower or 235 horsepower if you had performance pack um, the Mark 7 I actually think is a nice Car, yeah. If it, you know, we'll come on to the seven point five, the facelift. But from driving it, there's a couple of things that are really worth highlighting, and we'll start off at the point of suspension. Now, any car in this bracket has taken a different view of how they want to approach suspension. So some will be airing on a bit of a a harder ride to give a bit sportier feel. um Civic Type R, that they've gone along that route. Yeah, You've got the slightly, I say softer, I think Audi's S3 has a slightly softer setup. Golf GTI seems to be the warm middle. I don't think I'd ever want to be pushing the the, the drive at 10 tenths on the road. But you can feel on the turn in, as you sort of weight up that outside wheel on a sort of left-hand turn, it, it, it still reacts and it, it does hold on, it does grip and it does pull you through. To the point where on the road, I actually think you would have to really, really want to push your car to the point where you're probably on the limit of what you should be doing on the road yeah. before the Golf starts to actually feel like it's reaching its limits. Yeah. Um. Part of that is dependent on wheels that you go for because there's some big wheels you can put on there and then the, the limitations stick out a little bit more. Um. But from the side of view of actual being able to get it on the road drive it every single day we took it on some pretty poor roads first because we wanted to see well if it has the sporty ride does it lose some of that ability to go over bumps and potholes and speed bumps and if you did have a small family in the car would they all start feeling sick and actually it, it 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 held really really well um Sam you are looking at an Australia what what are you looking at for a mark 7 i'm just trying to trying to remember what year they came in <laughs> think it's, it's 2013 oh okay cool. yeah, well, i'm sure I'm,
1: of that I've, one. I've put 15 as the as the setting so we'll go from we'll go from So that that's there, still yeah. a mark 7 so the mark 7.5 is 2017 no oh, 17 okay but yeah. that's
0: fine we can look at a seven first. Okay. i was talking about so seven. i mean
1: i've got i've gone on lowest and lowest currently is 19000 From a 2015 for, a, for that's a 2015 so 65 Reg. yeah um, it's leather, nav. Is that five-door? It's a five-door, yeah. yeah. Which I think you'd go with, to be honest. Again, I think... You know, I think even you'd go with a five-door, wouldn't you? So or would you go with a three-door? So I, I've always been more of
0: a five-door lover. You have. With these I, sorts of cars. I think the thing with the Golf GTI is because it's such an all-rounder type car, I like the look of it in a three-door, but I actually think it suits... Um, it suits the practicality of a five-door. It's a bit like driving it with a manual gearbox. There is an enjoyment factor to it, but you can see why people pick the DSG. Um, yeah. Because you get a little bit more speed out of having it with the with the paddle shifters. But also the, the car's dynamics seem to suit the DSG gearbox, the Golf R particularly. I think the Golf R... Once you're at that end with all wheel drive, it's, I think, difficult to sort of say where the manual makes sense, unless you are a manual lover and Sam and I both do love a manual gearbox, but just certain cars really suit a manual gearbox and other cars, not so much like a Civic Type R, the newer one, I'd say absolutely that suits a manual gearbox. Um, the Golf GTI, by all means, if you bought one, you had a manual, you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel like you're missing anything. No, if you had a DSG and went to a manual, I think you might just feel like, hmm, I was happy as it was. So you're saying the 7.5 is from 2017 onwards? Yeah, you can see the difference. Let's have a look at the back. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm
1: not. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just. I'm just finding it interesting that for a Mark Seven, yeah, the cheapest we can find is 20 that's on, that's a on, a, on a 15 plate. Yeah. So bear in mind, there's a couple of years before that. Yeah, but then on a 7.5, the cheapest I can find is 18. Is it like for so, like, or are you looking at yeah, private versus? it's got it's got slightly it's got slightly more miles. I mean, it's what they. Well, look for the next one along, price wise. Eighteen three for seventy two thousand. Okay, so equivalent, you can get the same. It's the same,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is just a bit odd to me. You can get a brand, uh, not brand new. Sorry, you can get a one that's three years newer.
0: Interesting. For
1: the same price for the same mileage.
0: So this is, I think, what, whether it's got the same stuff yeah maybe we'll just double check let me just find on this one you 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 might for a second. uh, particularly well specced mark 7 yeah but then this
1: one looks like
0: it's probably probably pretty well specced -specced. and just to go back into the review of the car overall i think uh, space in the back um you could have a couple of adults in there you they would be okay for a short journey they wouldn't for a long journey i would say okay boot space because you haven't because the r has the rear drive train yeah they raised raise the boot floor because you mm-hmm. haven't got that in the GTI. You've actually got a good amount of space back there. There is a Golf R, uh, uh, sorry, there is a Golf R estate. There's not a GTI estate, as far as I'm aware. So if you need an estate, you've got to step up to Golf R. Yeah. But unless you do really do need the space, I think it, you'd actually be surprised what, you know, you do, the packaging on the Golf is very That's, good. It's a very good, like you said, it's a very good all round car and i think i'd
1: still buy one yeah if if i had the money and i was given the options of this i mean what else are you looking at in that price bracket
0: uh so i30n yeah um, which I know is one of your favorites, but it's <laughs> blown my argument straight yes, out of the water. I was going but, to say that probably be what I'd buy
1: if I had the money, but I mean I'd probably get an i30n over that.
0: But the difference being that I think with an i30n you're committing slightly more into the car enthusiast side of yourself. Yeah, you're not going to get you're not going to get the all rounder of the golf. No, you? so you, that'd be a more sensible choice. Certainly that right that golf GTI over a bumpy road when you're not interested in going quickly you just want to get to where you're going. Yeah, the golf GTI is the pick. And I suppose if you were just doing everyday driving,
1: maybe it's more economical than an i thirty.
0: Yes, again, well that anyway. that
1: two liter engine. So that EA. But would we be comparing an i thirty n to a GTI or to an R?
0: Um, price wise, you'd be comparing it to a GTI. Okay, the R so just the is, like, R is like another another bracket up, if you like. Yeah, I mean, again, so if, if, if we're saying you like like... get a GTI over
1: the Hyundai, I mean, what are we looking at from BMW? Uh the M one forty i again. We'd yeah. be wearing it as M one three five i. Uh it's, I think it's you'd struggle to make an argument for me to get the goal for over that unless you could present me with some overwhelming
0: it, economy figures i think the the big difference would be you're talking about an all-rounder versus a car that has limitations so yeah, for okay, example yeah, I, I keep forgetting that point yes the, so is there another all-rounder an all-rounder car that that has you know, all the capabilities the that that we found with the gti um there's and a few, yeah. You know, there's, there's a few hatchbacks out there that that do a good job of being hatchbacks, but sporty hatchbacks. I think the Golf GTI continues to just say, "That's where your argument, yeah, just goes okay. straight back to." Um, and I, I think mean, a it, lot it's of it's a very good-looking car. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, that's fine. Mean. I think a lot of people have actually left this this part of the uh, market, and they're just saying, "Yeah, F- Focus ST would be the sort of." direct competitor of you can buy a five door similar horsepower actually a little bit more horsepower with the focus st but price for price and because we know about residual values they they reflect a lot in lease values and in people's yeah. finance packages people end up going with the gti because the the got the, the uh the golf actually turns out to be a similar price when it, when you were not talking about total price, but we're talking yeah. about. Payments. I think I think if you were
1: presented with the option of having a GTI or an ST, and you were, it was they were giving you one or the other. I think you'd always go with the Golf. I think you'd struggle to make a case for an ST. Well, you'd have to be GTI. a big big Ford fan. Yeah. Um, if you if you take away being partial towards one or the other, I think you'd struggle to go with an ST over a GTI. Any day of the week, yeah. For me, think... it's just a very nice looking car. I mean, that it's lost some of its uniqueness potentially over the years. Maybe the GTR used to be a little bit more unique compared to other Golf models. Whereas now, if you just got a, I mean, what are they? R line now.
0: You can buy you just an got R Sport, line
1: one point six. Yeah. It's not going to look too much different to this unless you go into the interior, then
0: obviously the seats are always going to be unique. Well, that was one thing I I think, again, with the GTI, it doesn't go too extreme because if you go for a Focus ST or an i30N, you've got big, bolstered, sporty seats. Now, the Golf gives you some support, but again, this is where I talk about if you're on the road and you're an enthusiast and this isn't an all-rounder package, you like to drive, you're willing to make some sacrifices, you can look past the Golf because there are some really good cars by other manufacturers if this is your only car, yeah, you, or, or your like, family car, you, or your family car, and you like to enjoy it at the weekend when you can, but you do have to do that twenty-mile commute into the office or whatever it may be, yeah, you do also have to run errands in it, and things like fuel economy, insurance, they they are playing a big part of the decision making. The Golf just becomes head and shoulders; it just lifts itself up. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still consider things like the Focus ST, Hyundai thirty N. Uh, civic type R would be a, a bit more money um, but those are really good cars they just will have some compromises particularly as i said a bumpy road uh whether it just be from speed bumps or not being amazingly maintained the difference between this gti and something like a civic type r is notable so if you've yeah. got to take your mother-in-law out or you've got to take your grandparents out for a nice day mm-hmm. and you go along that road, they're going to notice the difference yeah. between the two cars. Yeah. So again, it's depending on whether that's a consideration. Now, the other part of this was a late Mark 7.5 versus the new Mark 8. Now, I think we were actually yeah. both in agreement here. Yeah, I don't like the new. I mean, I'm going purely
1: aesthetics. I yeah. don't like the Mark 8. You didn't like the Mark 8 interior, did you? No.
0: Oh, the touchscreens and stuff. Yeah, Touchscreens. I just... I think if you sat in a Mark 7.5... If you went to a dealer, say you go to a Volkswagen dealer, and they're doing extended warranties and everything else, and you saw a very nice uh, 2018, 2019 Mark 7.5, and you saw a, say, a a pre-registered or a a lightly used Mark 8, I I would say buy the Mark 7.5. I don't think the Mark 8 has really brought... A lot more to the table. No, and if anything, I think maybe they're a victim of their own success. They've the, set the, you get in a golf mark seven point five, you drive it quickly, you 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 live with it for a few days, and you just think this is uh, I could I could own this car for ten years, and I I just would be happy that I've got this car. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. You know, yeah. Of course, if someone had something particularly nice, I'd lust after it a little bit because I'm a car enthusiast, but. I wouldn't feel like I'm missing out too much anywhere else. And when I wanted to you know, go for a little bit of an enthusiastic drive, the, the suppleness in the suspension, you could correct that. You could go and sacrifice it, put a, um, uh, you go to one of the many tuning companies for these cars and get something that's a little bit sturdier, but you'll lose some of that low speed, um, ability. And I think you'll you'll get a bit through more vibrations through the cabin things like that. So to me, Mark seven point five standard. Well, also, of with, with the seven point
1: five, you're going to get buttons.
0: Yes. And the thing and I mean, dials. I'm current, yes. currently
1: looking at a picture of the Mark eight interior, and I didn't realise because I hadn't overly looked into it. But you don't even get steering wheel buttons.
0: Oh, is it it's haptic. Yeah, it's, it's haptic. It's, so yes. you've got that
1: sort of vinyl. Yes. Sheen to it. Yeah, Which is just, if you get in there and you've got slightly dirty hands, or yep. I'm not suggesting that people are filthy, but, you know, for, for <laughs> Maybe instance, if I, if, yeah. I, if I finished work and I had slightly dirty hands from work and being outside for the day and cutting grass or whatever else,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I then was rubbing my hand across these to turn the volume up or change the track or, or any other stuff that's on the steering wheel controls, it, you're going to have to be constantly cleaning. You know, it's like with your phone screen. If you use it for a while, you get that sort of sheen of yes. your fingerprints. You know, well, you that's slight, slight grease the... from your fingerprints yep. that kind of sheens across it, and you've got that sort of shiny dullness to your screen. Yeah, you're going to be cleaning it constantly, which I don't. With the button, you're not going to be doing that. You'll clean your car if you clean it once a week, once a month, once a year. You'll clean the buttons when you yep. clean the car. Give it a wipe over. But yep. with that, you're going to have to be cleaning it constantly, and it's. I think it's just prone to. People getting infuriated. You know, some people will be driving along and they think, Oh, I'll just quickly put it on my sleeve and I'll I'll wipe that as I'm going along. You're then cleaning your car whilst driving, yes. distracted from the road. Is it Worse I- I'm so against having not having buttons in cars? And I understand from a price and economy point of view, economical econ- economy point of view, yeah, why car manufacturers are doing it, because it's cost saving. You homologate a screen and it's done. Well, whereas so, a button is... The, I know we've covered this in other podcasts. I'm not going to rant for too much about it. But I just... I, some people love it. And it's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But I personally cannot get over that there's no buttons in that car.
0: So you've segued us quite nicely, actually, by talking about um, economy and... Would know you know say and, it, them... and it wasn't even planned. No. <laughs> I just went good. on a rant. And really well. we I like that. Um, but so, so I think our advice of this is if you've if you're looking for a hot hatch... You don't want to make too much of a compromise of going too far down the road of enthusiastic with maybe slightly stiffer ride, more power. You you want, you want an everyday car, but you also want to be
1: able to overtake a couple of cars on a slow country road if yeah. you need
0: to. And you want to be able to, you know, you, you can give a nod to a driver who's... Into cars as well. Yeah. If you've got a GTI, it's clear you could have bought a diesel or you could have bought a, a regular one. You clearly are a bit more enthusiastic. Yeah, you, you know, that's... your, your neighbour
1: who's, you know, quite into his cars will come over there. Yeah, it'll it'll just sort of give you a yeah. nod every now and then, or,
0: or she. Uh, or she, yes. Um. But I think what we're saying is, and I think this is our advice on this one, so Mark 7 or 7.5 over the Mark 8. Yeah. And if you are sort of insistent on going new, we've seen quite a few Volkswagen dealers extended warranties they were a good saving over a Mark Eight, I think about yeah. five, five or so thousand pounds, and they're only about eighteen months old. So, but by all means, if you
1: like the really, really futuristicness of the interior of an Eight,
0: then you really through. want to go with it.
1: We're not yeah. saying you shouldn't, and it's terrible, and you could never own one because you'd be the worst petrol head in the world. No, we're not saying that. It's just personal preference. I own, I, mean, I don't like not
0: having buttons in a car. Yeah, so. From the buttons, we, we've had this conversation recently. About where the historic price of buttons. Yes. Where I said that they're doing it because they don't have to homologate buttons. It's a cost save. They can make a bit more profit on the vehicles by having just touch screens. But then I thought about, well, we, we're always bombarded now. If you go on Autotrader or you go on some of the deal websites that existed back years ago when I sold cars, but they were not as big uh, as they are today. Um, and they all throw offers at you, maybe not so much at the moment because of the chip shortage, but they're, they're always sort of throwing a deal. You can save 2000 on this, 1500 here, 3000 on this. And I thought, well, a bit like a Black Friday sale, our manufacturer is just hiking up the price, letting these companies then come in to negotiate a deal. And actually, you're still out of pocket anyway. So even though you've saved three grand, the list price was jumped up so high yeah but, so i thought i'd have a quick look now to do this um so i did a few different um calculations for inflation and i used the uh, there's something called the big mac index which if anyone's interested it's basically a way of looking at how currencies are directly related across the world over time so because the mcdonald's big mac is standardized across the world it doesn't matter if you buy one in south korea If you buy one in Russia, if you buy one in Lithuania, if you buy one in Mexico or the USA, Canada, the UK, wherever. It's a standard product. It weighs the same, it looks the same, it is the same. Now, by doing that, you're able to see, are currencies undervalued or overvalued? And that can then give you some information on, because the gold GTI obviously isn't built uh, anywhere but Germany, you can then get an idea of, is there a price difference because of the euro to the dollar or to the pound or anything else? And then I looked at the UK inflation rate. And so I've got the price on launch of the Mark IV Golf. So we're going back 25 years. So the Mark IV Golf, the Mark 5, the Mark 6, the Mark 7 and the Mark 8. So Sam, do you want to have a guess? Mark 4 Golf GTI... Oh, you turned the book. I needed some form of reference. Mark IV Golf GTI, when it was brand new, when it was released. Give me a year when it was out. 90, I think, from memory, the price I grabbed this off was 98. Okay. I'm going
1: to make myself sound like I can write more on now, because I'm going to chuck out something stupid. But I'm going to go
0: 16,000. Not bad. Oh, that was right. Not bad. (laughs) You could buy a brand new Golf Mark IV GTI, uh, when it came out, fourteen thousand nine hundred and sixty-five pounds. That was its base price. No extras, no paint, anything else. Okay. Um. Well, paint, but the standard. I think it was. I think it was still uh red at the time. Uh, Mark V Golf GTI. So this came out in 2005. Oh, so we're playing the game, carrying on now. We'll carry on. There's five five times you can guess a price. So, okay. what, did, so what was what, it at, at, at launch? Uh, what, did I get? what did I get? How far off was I, sorry? You guessed 16,000. It was 14,965. Okay, 16,000. No. The jump between a Mark IV and a Mark V Golf GTI, so 2005 is the yeah, launch, yeah. Uh, and the 5 GTI comes in at 20,635 pounds. Now... I looked at the inflation rates. We were one point one eight percent, one point five three percent, one point five two percent, one three eight, one three nine, and in the year of two thousand and five, two point zero nine percent. It's it's a bit of a I'm not gonna go through how you do the calculations, you can do them yourself at home if you want, <laughs> no, but because everybody will have driven every, off the bridge by yes, the time you Everyone will have switched us off or fallen asleep. So <laughs> Including me, guys. Um just if you just look at inflation. At launch, it would have been £17,339 for the Golf GTI if it was only increasing by what the price inflated yeah. by. So there's a £3,000 gap. Now, in 2005, I would say there was. that's partially because a lot more regulations came in for safety. The yeah, Mark yeah. V Golf GTI was a much better car. But having driven them both, I know some people love the Mark IV... I have nothing against the Mark IV, but I think the Mark V Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll give them a pass on that. So I think I think they it could be cheaper, but there was certainly, you know, it's really yeah, There's justification shatter. for that. So the Mark VI comes out in 2009. Okay, so another four years down Another four years uh, yeah, another four years down the line. What does that come out price? So the last size? one was twenty. I'm
1: gonna try and ignore the jump that we had before. Twenty three? Not bad, but not
0: right. £25,040. <laughs> title pounds. of my autobiography. Yes. <laughs> uh, £25,040. Pounds. So it's jumped up another £5,000 pounds in four years. Right. Inflation rate during that time. Uh, and I'm just going by the year here when I'm reading them out to you all. So it was 2.46 in, o- in 06. Then it's 2.39%, 3.52%. And then 1.96% in 2009. So it should have been... 19200 So it should pounds. have gone down in price. Uh, no, because well within Oh sorry, no, sorry, it should have been yeah, okay, It should have been indeed. seventeen to nineteen, yeah. but actually it was twenty to
1: twenty-five. So that just shows that with the twenty thousand, it was even more expensive than it
0: should have been five yeah. years later. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but really we gave didn't... them a buy for that. Gave them a buy, but in the Mark Six, that's no, I'm not giving them the same chassis that. platform as the Mark V. Yes, so there's less redevelopment. There's there's a lot less cost. And what I then noticed is if you look at some of the, and I'm not going to name them, you all know who they are, the The companies out there that will, uh, they were the bane of my life when I sold cars, they will say, we can offer 3,000 off this, come on and click on our website, fill out the form. They really start coming to prominence because a lot more people are using the internet to look at car deals yeah. than they had done in that time. And so that for me is the first indication that yes, there is uh, safety coming in, there are more demands for tech but it doesn't justify five thousand pounds over where the inflated price yep, would have definitely. been. Yeah, definitely. So then we have the release of the Mark Seven. This happens in two thousand thirteen. Do you want to guess? Oh, price? I mean, I'm going to have to start going silly now. I mean, no, no. Uh, well, you can do go, go as you like. Twenty eight. No, twenty six. Not 000... even not good, but not right. <laughs> twenty six thousand six hundred eighty five. Oh, okay. And interestingly, uh, if we look at if I look at inflation from what the mark 6 price was not what it should have been with yeah. inflation but what they actually sold it was it was about bang on okay uh, the the actual price though if we carried on that idea from the mark 4 just looking at inflation yeah uh, it would have been uh, so the inflation rates were 2.46 in 10 3.86 in 11 2.57 in 12 and then 13 2.29% it would have been twenty one thousand three hundred ninety nine. Wow! If we're just looking at my scale yeah, yeah. from starting from the Mark IV, but if we start with the Mark VI to the Mark VII, the inflation rate it does just it it's about right for that gap. Yeah. So okay. there was a clear big jump, yeah. and then they sort of normalized with the start of the Mark VII. Now, Mark VIII, which was released. Uh, let me get my. Did we? Do, was Mark seven? What we just did? It was what we just okay, did. Yeah. yeah. So Mark eight. Uh, we've got a two thousand and twenty. I picked nineteen because yeah. there was a but two thousand twenty is okay. actually. No, I'm gonna go. 33,000 for this, which I'm guessing is probably low. That is really good, Sam. Is it actually right? 33,460 pounds. Yeah, I'll take that. I wasn't yes. ever going to guess the hundreds. Inflation, though, was very low during this time, as it was across the world because interest rates were very low and everything else. Yeah. So 1.45% in 14, 101 in 15, 2.56, 16, 17, 2.29. I mean, those numbers are just boring me and I'm saying. So I know. Uh, so in 2019, it was uh, 0.99%. Wow, that sounds um, good. But the launch price, if we follow this idea of just tracking inflation from a Mark IV going up, yeah, so it should have been should it, it is thirty three thousand, and it should have been twenty three thousand. With if we're just talking about inflation now, I will give them a pass of five thousand of those pounds because yeah, a because Mark there's Eight development and stuff to do, and and, and a Mark Eight comes with a hell of a lot more stuff that, as standard than a Mark IV. Did. Is there ten grand per unit? No. And development, and and I actually went further into this by looking at well, actually, we can say there's a lot more tech, but in in two in 1998, when they were talking about the Golf GTI and journalists were talking about it, that was talked about as having a lot of tech and having a lot of new developments because yeah. we were talking about people were talking about the Mark II and the Mark III Golf GTI at the time. So actually, what we're talking about is all relative. Now that gap to me that is where people get offered money off by different websites. And unfortunately, it means that if you don't go to deal websites or you don't walk into the dealer with the attitude of... Yeah, I was about to say that
1: that's where you have been able to walk into a dealer and sit down, and I think we'll cover this particular story in another podcast about, we said we'd do it, about when you went with my mum to get her car. Yes. But if you don't go in there, sit down, and absolutely beat the dealer down, the reason that they can do that and have the have the ability to offer these discounts
0: is because they've been so inflated is the because
1: yeah. the, the initial list price is it's effectively like if you're just if you're if you're making a product you're like well I'll tell you what I'll chance it at 50 quid yes but I want to get 30 yeah before. instead of just and p- then some people come in and give you 50 and you're like well oh, hang on a minute people are actually paying 50 quid yes best not charge anybody 30 no yeah. And I'll give it to John down the road and he can sell an amazing discount of my product of so thirty pounds. But you've got all these people paying fifty, but you were just chancing it, which it almost seems like they were just sort of chancing
0: it. Yeah. And here we are, it's stuck. Yeah. And then
1: the other thing that's that where
0: we are. The other thing that's had a big effect on this is finance rates and people not looking at list price so much anymore. But what yes. I just want to point out, I did talk about this at the start with the Big Mac index and it shows how the, the it can you can see how much the pound over or undervalued Uh, it's undervalued by five and a half percent so that means that actually we we have a good purchasing power in the uk and we have done while these cars have been being released here and yet we're still seeing huge jumps between the generations in price now to me there's a few things that are driving it but one of the things and, and from when i used to sell cars at a main dealer used to have people walk in at the time it, they were still walking in with printouts of these deals yeah and we would be like look i'll be honest with you i'm not going to do the deal if you want the deal go to the dealer that's offering it and those dealers either went bust yeah had terrible service because they are paid their salesman no commission essentially they they did it all to hit a unit because None.
1: they can't afford to pay their salesmen more because they're not making more on their the product making, in the first place. No. So the
0: money isn't there for them to pay themselves and their staff. So what they, what's essentially happened is that, yes, the price has gone up and, yes, they've put a big buffer in, but then more and more of this buffer has been offered to people as incentive to go and yeah. buy it as a discount. And some dealers have then said, well, I'll live off the sh- chassis unit profit. So if, if at a dealer you sell a particular number of a chassis, you get a bonus on top from the manufacturer. right? Okay. And that's how they survived. But you miss that once and you're yeah. in trouble. So uh, I used to say to people that I'll, I will, I'm a, you know, I was a salesman that enjoyed cars. I was always willing to talk deals and trying to find the best for someone that's probably why I didn't last in car sales. We'll I was we well. the world's first
1: honest <laughs> car salesman <laughs> yes.
0: who just did it for the love of cars yes. and Gen- never did it to pay his own bills. Gen- it's utter rubbish. <laughs> Genuinely, when I became a car salesman, it was because I loved cars and I yeah. learned very quickly. I say, I say it's utter rubbish. You were one of the better ones. And I, I'm
1: not saying that just because I've known you so long. You weren't one of the people that was like, I don't care if this
0: person ends up living in a box as long as they pay as for as this pay thing, thing that commission. I'm selling them. Yeah um and I, and I would say you know there was a lot of good salesmen i worked with and there are a lot of good salesmen out there but they get a bad name because the dealers have set up an idea because some manager's been a genius and he's tried to screw everyone and unfortunately it's uh, the old thing of you put rubbish in you get rubbish out you know it's that that mentality but certainly i also met some very very dodgy people that i wouldn't buy a pencil sharpener from let alone a car <laughs> but i i just wanted to pick this up and the the main reason for it was If we are seeing car prices jump up like this, and we're not seeing wage inflation like this. We're definitely not. No, (laughs) it's true. We're we're not seeing other industries, although at the moment we are seeing some price rises throughout the world because of supply chain issues and everything else. But this has been happening for a long time. And I I thought, well, what's driving it? Is it just finance rates? Is it that people want more and more things from a car? And actually, when I looked at it and I thought, how are these companies still offering big discounts? And I realised it's, if you've got, it's like a Black Friday sale. Yeah. If you if you mark that top end really high, and it's much more than it was in October, you've only got to bring the price back down to what it was in October and people think they're getting a really good deal. Yeah, I
1: mean, especially with the Black Friday analogy, they they got away with that for a good number of now years. Now everyone knows, but, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying nobody knew, but the vast majority didn't know. But I think everybody's now aware that six months or eight months before their deals, they will up their prices of yes. their standard stock and then, yeah. oh wow, it's back to its original price. Yeah. But you've also got to clamber over 80 other people and hit them with a, a breadstick, <laughs> yes. pick up a telly and <laughs> walk out of Tesco. Yeah, a foot
0: long breadstick in the yeah. face for you. So, yeah. Um, I'd say it was one of the things I, I really, really disliked when I first worked in car sales, not for the main dealer I what, worked. People
1: with. hitting you with breadsticks. <laughs> yeah, that was a burdening for me.
0: No, it was that they used to have a January sale and we used. To, I used to see them changing the prices. Yeah. About December fifteenth, because we didn't have many customers for the next two weeks. Yeah, and then in January they put the price back down, but you were only the the claim saving was fifteen hundred or two, uh, so fifteen hundred quid or two thousand. Actually, it was only two yeah. or three hundred pounds. And you but just you know, think, it kept the lights on for you in January, didn't it? So, uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I I just. Uh, yeah, well, those were the days. Um, <laughs> that's the end of this podcast, everyone. The, um, I hope it's not been too much of an information overload. We had a lot to cover in this one. Um, Sam, anything to add before we go? I don't think so. No, no. I think I think we're good. Well, head over covered everything. Head over to the Miles driven if you do want to read our review on Meow. the <laughs> on the uh, on the Golf GTI. So it's the Mars driven dot com. Um do it again. You're fine. <laughs> there's also that article uh, about road pricing and. The Facebook page has got the... Uh, I think the Facebook page over the next month will probably have a lot of F1 updates as yeah, we start I mean, Today season. today on date of recording, I've just put up a thing
1: for the Aston Martin. Yeah. Um, I know the McLaren's being announced this afternoon. It may well already be out by the time we finish this. So if it has, then... We're going to give it a mention. I'll schedule that in, but I'll probably yep. do that
0: tomorrow. I don't want to overload with too much. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you have a great day. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. That's very nice. You never usually say, have a great day. No. Cool. All right. Well, see you guys. Have a great day.